children, and I don't see, I think all the children are gone. Some parents have some things about this that they don't, you know, as to how they celebrate Christmas. But the reality is, is that we get so, the reason why the focus is Jesus is better than Santa, is that we get so sidetracked at Christmas time with the commercial side of things. And it's a sad thing that Santa has become a very much a part of that commercialized Christmas. You think about the, and, and then not only that, but certain qualities of Santa that I, I want to be careful. Now, and, and you know me, most of you look at me and you say, it, it's, it's a look-alike here, uh, you know, but, and, and I have played Santa, I have a Santa suit, but one of the things that I do, and the reason why I don't get called on often, I, I'll get called once or twice by different groups and then they won't call on me again, is because I insist on reading the Christmas story. And I mean the birth of Christ Christmas story. I have a book and I normally buy enough books for all the kids. And so uh, that, that is something that, uh, especially the ones that I've done with the homeless in the county and stuff like that, the only place that, that, that doesn't hold me back is, is, is uh, the rescue mission. And uh, so I just, uh, you know, you, you have the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It's probably the real transition into a real commercial Macy's Thanksgiving Santa. And uh, it was, you think about the words to it. Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Uh, and and uh, just the, the different aspects of it is the reality that we even the song even lends a few qualities of God, if you will, to Santa. He's in a sense, in some ways, all seeing, at least for references to whether you're going to get toys or not. So be good for goodness sake, which is even contradictory to the saved-by-grace context. That's, and it's not that we shouldn't be good. Don't misunderstand. It's that it, it puts goodness as an act of works in order to receive. And that's not the way God's kingdom works. We receive through the grace of Christ. Is there a transition that goes on? Yeah, James says we become doers of the Word, not just hearers. But not because we want to get saved, but because we are saved. So I'm, I'm very cautious about how I look at this and I will tell you, you know, my kids have been allowed to participate in the context of, of the idea of, of the, you know, Santa and, and, and watch uh, Miracle on 34th Street and various things like that. And we have reaped repercussions. I can remember the first time that it really happened to us was in Bible college. My <laughs> Kathy's already rolled her eyes. Uh, you know, Jessica was in kindergarten at the time. And not only at school, but around our, our, our neighborhood, uh, she shared with many of her friends that Santa was just a legend, a myth of St. Nicholas. And parents, uh, we even got a couple of phone calls from parents that were very upset. Uh, and the irony of all of this is that these were houses and, and a neighborhood owned by the Bible college, and they were all students and, and or instructors at the Bible college. So we want to make sure that we understand. And, and somebody, I also, I, I, almost every year I hear someone tell me, uh, if you rearrange the letters of Santa, you can spell Satan. That is so absurd. 
So if you hear that, don't buy into it, please. Because Santa is a Latin word basically referring to saint. And so, no, it doesn't get rearranged. And no, it doesn't mean Satan in any way, context, or what. And Santa and Klaus, Klaus is a, 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 a reduction name for Nicholas. So it is St. Nicholas. By the way, do you know who St. Nicholas is? St. Nicholas was a 4th century uh, bishop who, who inherited a large sum of money, and he used it to give to the needy. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but, but he, and, and so the idea is we perpetuate that idea. So if you look at Santa Claus, uh, Claus, uh, different words for him, uh, you know, reflect and think what he is is that we're carrying on a legend of a great bishop who was extremely generous, gave away his wealth uh, in order to minister to the needy. And so set a stage for giving, not giving to receive gifts and uh, as much as giving to meet needs. And so... Uh, with all of that, I, I, that's my, my disclaimer of getting into this. Uh, I am not a person, like I said, that, that gets along into the idea of saying you can't use Santa at, at Christmas time. But I do believe, and this is my personal opinion, I do believe that we need to be integral or honest with our kids that Santa is a myth that we play into. It's not something that is real. And, you know, the, the, some kids will not grasp that right away. Uh, my grandson asked me, uh, of course, he was still very young, uh, but uh, we were sitting next to the fireplace together and we were coloring something together. I can't remember what, exactly what. And he just turned around and he says, where do you keep the reindeer? <laughs> you know, and so we had a discussion. And, and uh, the, the idea is that it's not wrong to enjoy the fantasy. What's wrong is to convey the fantasy as a truth in such a way. Now, think of all the different things that your kids may participate in in the sense of, of school. Uh, some of the, the Tolkien things that get into fantasy and, and, and magic and stuff like that. And those are Christian writers. And, and we, we emphasize uh, the, the, the character of those things. So, again, I just want to say all of that to, to, as we get into this that you'll understand where I'm coming from. The idea is that Jesus is greater than Santa. Jesus is greater than St. Nicholas. Jesus is greater than Moses. Go into Hebrews and read you know, uh, he's greater than the law. He's greater than the, the temple. He's great. It, it, he is greater than, period. <laughs> okay, and so uh, we look at this, and, and you could go to uh, scriptures like uh, the Gospel of John, which points out to us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, was nothing was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it we say you know that the word is christ and someone says are you sure yes because verse 14 says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the only son from the father 
full of grace and truth, referring to Jesus Christ. So, Jesus is preeminent. In some words, you might use that. Preeminent in, in the sense of He's the one we worship. We're t- called to worship Him. He is God, and somebody will say, well, you know, he, it, it, like I said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, showing an identity separate from God, but He and was God, meaning God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And while some people will say, I just can't get a hold of that, join the club. Because in the fullness of all the, 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 that means, it's still difficult after... I don't know, 40 years, to grasp a hold of that and, 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 and really see it clearly. But I know that there is a day when I will stop looking through the window or the, uh, dimly or the mirror dimly and I will see face to face and there will be a grasping of understanding that I hadn't had. What I would like to share with you today is the idea that, that Jesus is... Uh, he knows us, and he sees us. We say that Santa knows us, sees us, but the reality is, is that Jesus does know us and see us. You might go to a, a, a Santa at a, at a uh, shopping mall or some other place, and uh, you know, if, if some of them are really good with their helpers in the line getting things lined up so that they get an idea of somebody's name, trying to put it off as that Santa knows all. you know. And, and the reality is, is that he doesn't. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-seeing. And in most cases, you know, you have the Santa, when, he get, when the kid gets up there, he says, Oh, hi, what's your name? Automatically, a give. He doesn't know everything. How old are you? <laughs> what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> so obviously, he doesn't know everything. And, uh, and so, we look at this and we say, but Jesus Christ does. He is, and we use the word, omniscient. He is all-knowing. I want to look at Psalm 139 this morning. And somebody will say, well, it's referring to the Lord, but that's Old Testament. Come back to it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're speaking of the Lord here, and we're speaking of Christ. Okay? And so... Uh, David is the one writing. And I'm just going to read the first six verses first. O Lord, You have searched me and You know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. And that's true probably for all of us. It's just amazing as to how we see and how God works. God's knowledge of me, of us, that's where we say He is omniscient. God knows. He sees us fully, completely, Nothing is hidden from Him about us. Uh, Genesis 16, uh, oh, I think it's verses 13 and 14, Hagar is talking, gives the, 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 the phrase of, of the God who sees me. You know, and, and God sees us. 
And, and as a result, we look at this, there is no escape, <laughs> which can be a little intimidating at times if you think about it. There's, there is no hiding from God. There is, you know, what He knows about us, He knows completely. And He knows everything. So He starts off, search me, know me. And, uh, you know, the, the, the idea here is, is, uh, you, you, I, I look at you and I know you know these things. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You, and the idea to sit down here is, is tied to the customary, you know when I lie down or sit down to eat. You know when I rise up to work. So, uh, the idea is that he, he sees us you know, in our eating. He sees us in our working. Uh, he sees how we do those things. By the way, our, how, how are we to... And I know this is a terrible thing to say right after Thanksgiving and just before Christmas dinner uh, coming up, but how are we supposed to eat? The same way we're supposed to drink if we drink at all. Moderation, I heard it. Thank you. We're to eat in moderation. We're to drink in moderation. We're not to be gluttons. Okay? I don't know how many times you, you, know, you, you see the cartoons, the movies, the, uh, the television shows, or your own real life, and, and you, you, you've simply eaten a little bit of everything. I ate in moderation any one thing, but I ate all of it. You know, uh, and you, know, you, know, you sit there after, after Thanksgiving... And you're dozing off because your your stomach is so full that you're it's over working overtime. Everything is rushed to there to get you know digesting going. You know, I'm not saying don't enjoy and all this kind of stuff, but the idea is, is as a whole, gluttony is listed as a, a sin. And so he knows us when we're eating. He knows when we're working. How are we to work? As to the work, as to the manager. Or, as, as, as Paul would say, unto the Lord. Work as unto the Lord. Do your work to be pleasing to God first. Which means no matter what you're paid, no matter what your, your, your feeling towards the boss is today, or anything else, or the customer that you're working with, you are there to please God. It's an amazing thing when you start to take that attitude, how your work can become a, a blessing, even to other people. And so, you know, he knows us when we sit. He knows us when we rise up. Yeah, then he says, you discern my thoughts from afar, from a distance, implied before I have them. You know my thoughts before I do. He knows us so well that he knows when a situation comes up, and we're going to see that he even directs our path. You know, when a situation comes up, he knows how we're going to respond to it based on how, how and who we are at this moment in time in our walk. And so he's, he's orchestrating. God is orchestrating and has begun before the beginning of time a plan to bring us to a point where we see our need for Christ as our Savior. Every one of us. You discern my thoughts. You take notice of them. You understand them. 
which starts to begin that idea that God knows me better than who? Myself. God knows me better than me. God knows your, your spouse better than you. You know, and, and that's our closest relationship generally uh, in, in, in the world. Is if, if, if you are married, your spouse relationship, the two shall become one, is a unique and special relationship. And I won't get into all the details about that, but the idea is, 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 is even there. We are in a growing process and will be for all our lives as to understanding our, our children, our spouse, our friends. It's a growing process. And so, the reality is, is, is that God puts things together in such a way that He causes things to happen. He knows what you need before you, 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 you do. And as a result, He knows what to set up to get you to become the person you need to be. I don't know how many times I've talked to people to say, I've, I've been praying, I, my, my, I would imagine my grandmothers went through this. I've been praying for my grandson. And it seems he just keeps getting lower and lower and lower. Well, everybody has a different bottom rung. But God knows what it is that's going to finally bring you to your knees and say, okay, I need you. And you open your heart. He knows us when we sit. He knows us when we rise up. He discerns our thoughts. In verse 3, he says, You search out my path, my coming and my going. Uh, you direct my way, is another way of looking. That, and by the way, that's so that you know, if you want to know how Romans 8.28 becomes a reality, it's because God is directing our path. Therefore, what? All things work together for our the good of those who believe. It's hard to see that sometimes in the middle of, of chaos. And somebody will say, well, why do, and, and I, I'm just really quickly, why do we have chaos if God is doing all of this? It's because we live in a fallen world and we still live in fallen flesh. And we want to satisfy that. We get off center. And, and Romans 7 talks about us having a war within our soul over spirit and, and flesh. And even Paul, he says, wretched man that I am, what is going that, you know, how can I deal with this? What, what will deliver me? It's Jesus Christ. And does it happen instantly? No, it's a, a series of things that happen that, that you go through uh, that, that begins to bring you up out of the pit. And, and uh, Psalm 40 is about the pit. Read it. It's a good psalm. Uh, you search out my path. You're my coming and my going. Uh, again, you direct my way, which is, is the idea of in all things. And my lying down, and when I am still, you're acquainted with all my ways. And this idea of being acquainted with all my ways is you know, and this is again one of those things that's a little intimidating. You know all my habits. You know all my routines. You know me and see me when no one else does. I may be able to fool people. There is no fooling God. He knows your heart. He knows who you are. And He knows, what's, he knows it intimately. He knows it completely. And as a result, He knows our habits, our patterns, our routines, the things we do, the way we think. 
and and the things that are out of line, uh, knows it all. And so we say that he is omniscient, all-knowing. You know what I'm going to say. You know, in verse four, he he says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You know what I'm going to say. And because the way he says it, before a word is on my tongue, before I ever say it, and the implication, putting it with the rest of this, is before I even think it, he knows what I'll say to this particular situation that's coming forth. And he's going to use that to break me or build me up. One of the two. You know what I'm going to say and why I'm going to say it. You even know my motives. You know it all together. Verse 5. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. And the simplest way of looking at this is, is, is again, you are directing my way in a sense that you, you've, you've sewed up things behind me, you've sewed up things before me so that you've got me focused in this one spot for this moment. And you keep moving it down the road. <laughs> and so God is in control. And that is a hard thing for especially... You know, that was probably one of the hardest things for me to grasp a hold of after becoming a Christian was the sovereignty of God in all things referencing Bob Hapgood. Referencing you too, but for me to wrestle with it was that was that was the issue. Even when I refuse to yield to God, He is putting things together in such a way to bring me to my knees. I you know this idea of I'm the captain of my soul. <laughs> never. You are never. Believers and non-believers, you're never captain of your soul. God is at work. God sees me. He knows me. He knows me better. He sees me better than myself. Let alone anyone else. And I, I put this together in the thought of or how I think about things. And I recall then very quickly, we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago, logs in my eyes versus specks in somebody else's. And what an amazing thing that is when you think about it. The most sensitive external organ in our body is our eye. Have you ever gotten just a little piece of dust on the eyelid? And you, you, you pull your eyelid out and look and see what it is because something keeps bugging it and you hurt, it irritates you. Your eye starts watering and you can't get rid of it. And finally, you, you, if, you're, if you're capable of doing it, you roll your eyelid back a little bit and you're sitting there with a Q-tip, you know, trying to get that little spot of dust. Well, me, I've worked in a wood shop most of my life off and on, but I, for the first eight years of, of my working career, I had apprenticed and worked in a wood shop. And you, it was a daily routine to find yourself in the mirror going, <laughs> trying to get something out of your eye because the dust was constant. And after a while, you actually got used to some of it. It's kind of amazing how your body will adapt. But the reality is, is that you know, we need to realize that we have logs in our eyes. Those logs are our things that we hold dear in our heart that have nothing to do with God. They don't draw us close to God. They're things that God is in the process 
and wants to remove. God sees me. He knows me better than I know myself. And if I want to help someone else, He always says, check your own life first. Take a quick inventory first before you help someone else. Not because you're not to help that person, but so that you help them without your bias or without your things getting in the way. And so David uh, closes this one section. He says, Such knowledge is beyond me, out of my reach. I'm in awe of the omniscient God, is what he means when he, in verse 6, where he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Such knowledge is beyond me, out of my reach. I'm in awe of the omniscient God. And that is what God wants from us. To be in awe of who He is. It says that the the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But the idea of fear of God isn't the trembling and, and wanting to hide under a rock type of fear. But the fear of God of being in awe of who God is and, 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 and amazed at His glory and, and realizing that it's more than you can comprehend. It's more than you can handle. It's more than you can see. Uh, if you ever thought you wanted to see God face to face in the flesh, you're wrong. It's more than you can handle. It's a healthy fear of who God is to know Him, to respect and to love Him and His Word. Verses 7-12. through 12. Where shall I go from your Spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take my, the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. There is no darkness in God at all. Again, that's, that's physically beyond my comprehension. That doesn't, it doesn't go with general physics. You know, if it's dark out and you can't see uh, past this point, but God can see perfectly. Nothing hinders his view of what is going on. The essence of this is that we can't hide from him. No matter where we go, he is. So we don't only say that God is omniscient, all-knowing. We say He's omnipresent. He is present everywhere. I think about it just in a simple way. For every believer in this room, there is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, right now, we're all together and the Holy Spirit in that context is present here. But as we each go our own way, God goes with us. So, you know, that idea is God is, is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Not just via His Holy Spirit, but the idea is of who His nature is. There isn't anything in the world, in the universe, in anything that He has created that is missing in the sense of His vision. He's omnipresent. 
It says that, you know, if I go to heaven, if I go to Sheol, you were there. In verse 9, it's, it's interesting, he says, if, if I take the wings of the morning. Now, the wings of the morning means sunrise. So what is he looking to? The east. Okay? Or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. From Jerusalem, where is the ocean? To the west. And the sun set. Okay? As far as the east is from the west, it doesn't matter how far. You are there. You lead me. You hold me. Which is, you direct my path. You protect me. And when we say God protects us, He doesn't necessarily protect us the way we think. What He's protecting is our soul, not our body in that sense. Uh, I look at it and, and, and you know, up three levels of scaffolding that collapses in a freak accident. Okay? My body is still recovering after, you know, uh, well, that happened in 1986. So, it's been a while. And, and so, the reality is, you know, God didn't protect me from the fall, but I'll tell you what, if, if, and almost everybody that was there believes God was doing something because I missed, literally I could reach over and touch a pile of, uh, lights that had been opened and they're open face, which means that they have all the edges exposed, the metal edges, because they're going to be recessed lighting. And I mean a tall stack of them. If I'd landed in there, I would have died. I could reach over literally and touch them. And uh, a friend of mine says, he says, your angels are looking after you today. And the fact that I immediately stood up was amazing. And so... You look at this and you, you realize, you know, God is everywhere. He is with us. He's directing our path. He is protecting us. By the way, someone would say, well, how did that fall work out to the benefit of what was going on? It's interesting. As a result of that fall, I was laid off of work for four months. And at that very same time, the reason why we were where we were was I was taking care of my mom and she took a turn for the worse with her cancer and she needed me every day. You know? It wouldn't, it, it's just, God has it put together. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Look at verses 13 through 16. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. How well does God know us? (laughs) He knitted us together in the womb. Someone might say, well, does that mean that, 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 that God missed the stitch with Matt Frawley? Those of you who know Matt? Nope. God has used Matt dramatically over the years. From here to Oakland to San Francisco and further south and has even used Bob as a result to speak to families and doctors about... Because Matt, in his... Uh, 
needs that he was born with physically is extended and lived past the age. He's now in the, in the, in the, like the two percentile. And because of that, they, they asked Bob to come and speak at doctor's conventions, Bob Frawley to go and speak at doctor's conventions to tell how he deals with it and copes with it. And he gets to minister because every place he goes, Bob gets to tell them what God has done. And he tells them, God has done. When Matt sits there in the front row, when he's able to be here right now, he's not able to be here, but when he's able to be here, you hear him sing. Matt is not articulate. He only knows a few words. Most of, it, most of the time he's communicating with sign language and, and, and loud groans or, 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 or noises to get your attention. But when it starts to sing and a song starts up, all of a sudden it's like he knows all the words. And he actually articulates them. And then a song comes up that we're singing for the first time. And he sings the words. He can't read. God uses him in such powerful ways. By the way, you ask Matt, I love Jesus. He knows those words. And it's sincere and it's real. He knits us in the womb. He puts us together in such a way to accomplish His purpose for us and for the other people we will come into contact for the rest of our lives. And that's what He's saying. You know, if I, uh, He says how, uh, He talks about the, 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 the days here. Uh, I praise you for, I'm feeling one of my, uh, the idea of, of, of days, um, Before the days are even numbered, before the days even occur, before the time even begins, God has already numbered the days in such a way as to accomplish His purpose through us. What a powerful picture this is. Omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing in all things. I think of the complexity of the human body I don't have time this morning to go into this in detail, but Steve Cole, he's a, fly, uh, a pastor in Arizona. Uh, I think he's just recently retired, but uh, he was uh, the pastor of the Flagstaff Christian Fellowship. And uh, uh, he, he was writing a, a, an article, and he got all of this stuff from an uh, atheist in the sense of the complexity of man. And, and, it, and it's just the... Uh, it's just a powerful picture. He says, consider the miracle of the human body. Do you consider yourself a miracle? Consider the miracle of the human body. Every second, more than 100,000 chemical reactions take place in your brain. It has 10 billion nerve cells to record what you see and hear. That information comes to your brain through the miracle of the eye, which has 100 million receptor cells, rod and cones, in each eye. Your retina also has four other layers of nerve cells. Altogether, the system makes the equivalent of 10 billion calculations a second before an image even gets to the optic nerve. Once it reaches your brain, the cerebral cortex has more than a dozen separate vision centers in which to process it. 
Your tear ducts, by the way, supply a bacteria-fighting fluid to protect your eyes from infection. The tears that fight, uh, fight uh, irritants differ from the tears of sadness, which contain 24, 24% more protein. That's not to mention the miracle of the ear and how it translates sound waves into meaningful speech and sounds or of touch or taste or smell. And it just magnifies, keeps multiplying. Part of your brain regulates voluntary matters such as muscle condition and and thought processes. Other parts of the brain control involuntary uh, processes such as digestion, glandular secretions, the rate at which your heart beats, etc. How did it accidentally happen that your body could speed up your heart rate to the proper speed to meet increased oxygen demand when you exercise and slow down when you need to uh, when it, when that need is met. One square inch of your skin has about 625 sweat glands, 19 feet of blood vessels, and 19,000 sensory cells. Working in condition with your brain, it maintains your body at a steady 98.6 degrees under all weather conditions. And it, he just keeps going on. I don't have time to go reading it all. When he says, when David says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, he is in awe of God and what he has done. Because David could look around and while he may not have known all of this science, I didn't know all of this science, uh, you know, he could see that there's something different about man than the rest of God's creation. We alone are called to worship him. While it says all creation worships God, it does it in the sense of, of involuntary. It, it, just, it, it, it worships Him because it, it, He is the Creator. We're the only one that makes the choice. He goes on and says another point. He says, I haven't mentioned the complexity of the human cells. Listen to this. A single human chromosome DNA molecule contains 20 billion bits of information. How much is that? What would it be as equivalent? If it were written down in an ordinary printed book in modern human language, 20 billion bits are the equivalent of about 3 billion letters. If there were approximately 6 letters in, in an average word, the information content of a human chromosome compounds uh, to about 500 million words. If there are about 300 words on an ordinary page of printed type, this corresponds to about 2 million pages. If a typical book contains 500 such pages, the information content of a single human chromosome corresponds to some 4,000 volumes. How can that be an accident? How can that be a a picture? And that's what he's driving for. And he says the irony is, is that this is an atheist putting this together. And you would think that at some point he would sit back and say, there's got to be something going on here. There must be an intelligent designer at least go that far. Almost threw the last page of my message away. Put on my notes here, mind-boggling. 
Verse 16. Your eyes, or excuse me, uh, yeah, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were for, formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, before any of those days occurred, before they were ever in order, Every one of them was that that were written in the book of my life. Mind-boggling. David's response to all of this is, How precious to me, verse 17, are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. I'm awake and I am with you. Every day I'm in your care is another way of saying that same sentence. Every day I'm with you. Every day, Lord, I'm in your care. I'm un- you're in charge. You're in control. Every day. And finally, verses 23 and 24 at the end, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Grievous there could be interpreted. See if there be any wicked way in me. More graphic picture, really. Grievous, wicked, the idea is something that is against God. Search me, try me. Reveal to me, what he's asking is, is God reveal to me my sins. Lead me into eternity. You know, Reveal to me my sins so that I might have eternity with you. What do we do when our sins are revealed to us? According to John, 1 John, we confess them. And it says, and Jesus restores us. In fact, it says in in 1 John chapter 2 that Jesus is the mediator. He actually says the advocate. He is our lawyer (laughs) before the throne of God. He intercedes for us before the throne of God on all things and behalf. Why? Because of what we're going to talk about next week. He nailed the list of my sins to the cross. And so while Santa's counting his list, we'll look at Jesus' and ours and see how that comes together. Philippians chapter 2 is one of my favorite sections of verse because it's so graphic in the sense of showing us Christ. Says and, and, and the reality that we are to strive to have the mind of Christ. Will I ever succeed in this flesh? No. And I believe that I'm going to spend an eternity growing in Christ. I really believe it's not, a, a, it's not something that happens all at once even there. I, I'm going to be in awe every day as I turn around and see something fresh that I didn't see before. And And so... Uh, I, I look at this and, and, and Paul writes, he says, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, okay? He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Why? Because He had it. But made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. The Word became flesh and entered into the world. Therefore, uh, becoming a, a, a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross.
cross. He, Jesus, the Lamb of God. John, when he saw Jesus, chapter 1 of, of the Gospel of John, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's prepare our hearts for communion. Worship team.